this week in the Kong Gamer, some Killzone 2, a little bit of Street Fighter, and a little talk on some Collector's Edition video games. In and out within a month, they said. Their weapons no match for our military might. Moderate to low resistance. Enemy morale at an all-time low. Unleash the whirlwind of our wrath. Our guns never tire. And we have beaten back the foe. Sent them running. I guess somebody forgot to tell the Hellgast. Welcome to episode 14 of the Con Gamer. So as promised, I'm back for another week, a second episode in two weeks, and that's pretty good, right? And actually, to be honest, it's already pretty late on Sunday evening here in the Philippines, and I actually was having quite some problems trying to put this episode together because, quite honestly, there wasn't much to talk about, or I felt there wasn't much to talk about. Then suddenly, you know, I pieced together some things, um... And turns out there are some quite some things to talk to be you know to be said about the things that have been happening quite recently. Maybe perhaps things that I don't really care much about um, compared to perhaps last week's or the week before that, where I talked about Rock Band two, and then prior to that, um, Street Fighter four and Resident Evil five. Though Street Fighter four has been released, um, unfortunately, I still don't have my copy of Street Fighter four since. They still don't have the Asian or Region 1 versions available in the stores I go to here in the Philippines, and most certainly I can't be playing the, the Region 2 version since my TV is NTSC, and I still don't have much money to spend on an HD TV or an HD monitor just yet. But, um, you know, eventually Region 1 or Asian version will come out, and um, I'll be... Getting that version and be talking about Street Fighter 4 in an upcoming episode. But this week, you know, I'm not so excited about the topics, but nonetheless, I think I'll need to talk about these certain games, these certain topics right now. And one of those topics that I do want to talk about and I think merits to be talked about is Killzone 2. So yeah, this week in highest score... Um, we have another high score um, segment this week, and it, we are talking about Killzone 2. So again, at the end of this segment, basically what we talk about is, um, given all the information that has come out on this recently released game, all the reviews that have been coming out, um, the question I ask myself is, and the question I will attempt to answer at the end of this segment is whether or not I want to buy this game. So um, hopefully that will assist you guys um, in um, your decision-making if you are considering buying this game, and this is basically get to it. So, um, the sound clip you just heard came from one of the trailers of Killzone. Um, a little background around Killzone 2. Basically, it's a game that has always been packaged together with the PS3, um, upon the announcement of the PS3. It's one of those very, very high-profile games that came out, um, with a trailer that basically looked very, very unreal. 
um, basically the questions that everybody on everybody's mind when the first trailer of Killzone 2 came out was whether or not the graphics of the PS3 in-game could look that good. And of course, um, it was marketed as just that, that, you know, um, basically that CG cutscene quality um, graphics that they showed in the trailer was basically real-time graphics that can be produced by the PS3. And, you know, um, that together with Motorstorm were basically the, the biggest, um, you know, trailers that came out during the day. That was like four years ago, maybe. I don't know, maybe even five years ago, you know. Um, and still to this day, those trailers still look really, really beautiful. And of course, we all know what happened to Motorstorm. It was basically, you know, it was very, very good. I mean, you know, the graphics are very, very good, but definitely still not as good as a trailer. Now, Motorstorm is basically a two-year-old game by now. And, you know, um, Killzone 2 is just coming out now. Um, now, how does it look compared to the trailer they showed all those years ago? It looks actually pretty good. I mean, it definitely isn't as good because, you know, there is this inherent difference between, I mean, coming from somebody in the industry, and there is this inherent difference between um, CG cutscenes and um, in-game cutscenes. Um, even in, say, certain games like Resident Evil 5, that, um, well, you know, um, when you look at the demo and everything, or, I don't know, in certain um, trailers, you'll see that in-game doesn't really look exactly like um, the CG cutscenes. Where, even though they do use the graphics in-game, and yet, whenever they do cut into CG cutscenes, or cutscenes, simply put, there is a certain filter they put to kind of smooth and everything, to kind of soften things, I should say, um, to make it have a more film quality to it. Um, you know, whenever you watch HD content, say sports or whatever, or say um, video games, they look very, very different from movies that you, you see in theaters. And that's certainly because of the filters they use for movies, the frame rate they use for um, movies as compared to video games. So suffice it to say that definitely um, there is going to be a difference between in-game and cutscenes all the time. Um, so, you know, to say that the game should look like that CG cutscene that was pretty much shown before then is sort of different. I mean, it's not an apples-to-apples -apples comparison. It's very, very difficult to make that comparison. It's sort of like asking you to compare a video game to a movie. Um, it just isn't the same. Um, and, you know, um, it is possible, I guess, to compare the in-game quality models, textures, lighting, and everything to, the, um, to, that, to, the, to those found in the cutscene, whether or not um, in-game character models, character env um, environments, lighting effects could be as good as those found in CG cutscenes. I guess, you know, with Killzone 2 as an example, we could definitely say pretty much yes. I mean, you know, the line between those things are definitely, definitely blurred. And games these days just look so, so good in-game that, you know, only nitpickers and people who just really want to be an ass really, you know, see the difference and still can complain about the difference between the quality of cutscenes and basically in-game um, graphics. 
So, you know, um, while there is a difference, um, it's still, the, the trailer that was shown all those years ago still looks much, much more cinematic than um, the game graphics, the in-game graphics of Killzone 2. But that is basically because of the inherent difference between um, simply HD content and cinema quality, cinema rendered things. I mean, I don't really know if I'm making much sense, but basically, that's what I'm trying to uh, point out, that basically cinema's... cinema quality stuff just looks so much more different than HD. Now, of course, what Killzone 2 tried to do, interestingly, interestingly enough, is that they wanted to make in-game look like cinema. And I think from the trailers that I've seen of Killzone, I haven't seen it in actual action, but it really does look very, very cinematic. Um, it's a lot more subdued. The graphics on Killzone seems a lot more softened, a lot more, you know, I don't know, alias, blurred. There's a, a lot of DOF going on, which gives it that very, very cinematic quality, which you don't really necessarily find in games like, say, um, perhaps a good comparison would be Gears of War 2. For me, Killzone... While, you know, the graphics of the two games are comparable, some people might even argue that the graphics of Gears of War 2 is better than Killzone, but, you know, for me, the cinematic quality of the graphics seem to be more, you know, more cinematic in Killzone 2, simply because of, you know, all the filters they use, a lot of DOF, a lot of depth of field, basically it's that blurring, of, I mean, you know, an image wherein, say, your gun is sharp and then the background becomes blurred or the other way around, that's basically the OF. Um, hopefully, I, didn't, I mean, you know, photographers out there won't get mad at me for putting it in those simple terms, but, you know, suffice it to say, it's just really that um, some things on the picture are, are clear, some aren't. Um, so, you know, basically, it's a beautiful game. I mean, point is, it's a very, very beautiful game, um, Killzone 2. And it was really a surprise for me back in the day when this game basically came on and looked really, really beautiful, um, given that trailer. Because I really didn't know this game even existed. I didn't know that Killzone 1 existed. Only I only knew the whole thing when Killzone 2 actually was announced. And... You know, it's interesting because right now, even though it is one of those um, games that Sony has marketed as its AAA game, I'm not all that excited to actually buy it. I mean, I'm definitely infinitely more excited to buy Street Fighter 4 as well as Resident Evil 5, maybe because I've played these games before and, you know, I've basically followed the series, these series for a very long time, and Killzone 2, Killzone 2 is just so unfamiliar to me. And add to that the fact that Killzone 2 is basically just like any other FPS. I mean, it doesn't pretend to be anything different. Um, it actually even, I don't know, mimics a lot of games, especially Call of Duty 4, because it seems like the multiplayer of Killzone 2 is designed to basically be like um, Call of Duty 4. And, you know, it just is a very natural and linear progression from its previous installment. Um, it just basically is what it is. It's an FPS, and you're pretty much getting an FPS, right? I mean, not like Gears of War, which basically does certain things, makes the FPS 
a third-person view and uses a lot of cover, while Killzone 2 does utilize cover, too, as well. I mean, Gears of War just really, you know, um, basically put the mark on in, in the industry. I mean, you know, it pretty much invented um, the cover system um, after Gears of War made, you know, the whole idea of cover streamlined. Everybody just had to implement it in their own games in certain ways as well. So, you know, Killzone 2 bars a lot of that. And, you know, basically there's just not a lot of innovation in terms of gameplay in Killzone 2. But then again, you know, I think graphically this game is just so much of a powerhouse. It looks very, very good. I mean, I still do reserve a little judgment because um, when you bring home games and look at them in an HGTV, 1080p, 1080i, whatever, they do look very different from trailers that you can download online. But, you know, um, regardless, this game really, really does look beautiful, and it was primarily that, um, meaning the graphics that Sony focused on whenever they tried to market Killzone, and nothing really else. It wasn't supposed to revolutionize anything. It was just a very, very pretty game. Um, so, you know, what else is there to say about Killzone other than that, you know, it's a very, very pretty FPS. Um, a lot of reviewers have also called the multiplayer definitely worth it. The campaign, as any other FPS, is very, very short, pretty much 10 hours average game, something like that, you know. Nothing spectacular, but of course, um, your bang for your buck comes from the multiplayer, which you can play endless, endlessly, and there's, it's, somewhat, it's quite deep from what I've seen and what I've heard, and like I said earlier, it does mimic um, a lot of what Call of Duty 4 did and then multiplayer, you know, uh, basically upgrading your rank, which allows you to upgrade your, your weapons and gives you access to a lot more attachments, a lot more power-ups, and all of that. So that's all well and good, and, and I'm very, very happy that they included that in the game. So, you know, um, so I guess what else is there to say about this game other than that whether or not I'll buy it? So, you know, it's a little tough for this game. Um, I have little attachments to this game, but I think, you know, definitely I'll have to say it does merit a purchase for me. Um, simply because it's one of the, it's that game that really, really does look pretty, and there, there's nothing negative that was said about this game, other than that, you know, it could have been more, perhaps, but that's not to say it's not a good game, it's just that, you know, maybe that five-year development cycle, four-year development cycle was just so long that a lot of people expected a lot more from this game, and since it is sort of that, you know, it was, I mean, nobody ever really said it directly, but it was supposed to compete against Gears of War, and I guess it didn't really trump Gears of War in any way at all, not even in graphics, even though it is supposed to be this graphics powerhouse. You know, um, still, for me, it does merit a lot of attention because it's just a pretty game, and for me, that deserves a purchase, if only to show my support for developers that really put their best foot forward for customers like me. And now that I'm going to be buying it anytime soon, um, there's just too many things that I need to purchase lately. I mean, Rock Band 2 I just purchased, um, I still need my Street Fighter 4, and I still need my Resident Evil 5, right? So, you know, um, just a lot of... Um, a lot of what do you call this, a lot of expenses of late that in as much as I do want to have a fix of another game that um, 
I think is the other only other game I know of aside from MGS4 that can output at 1080p. Um, as much as I do want another game that looks really, really pretty like that, uh, you know, it's something that I don't have to own immediately because it doesn't really do all that much in terms of gameplay, and you know, it doesn't really offer me any more than certain games such like such as Half Life 2 would offer. So you know, that said, still merits a, a purchase from me. Whether or not it's worth a purchase from you guys, I mean, you know, if you are an FPS fan, I think this is one of... I mean, it's a very, very decent FPS, and a beautiful FPS of that. So, you know, um, it's the only FPS that has come out of late, um, apart from Fear 2. And I think, you know, I'm more attracted to Killzone 2 than Fear 2, because, you know, uh, it just seems to have a much, much better production value than um, Fear 2. And just, you know, Fear 2, just, I don't know, um, call me somebody who uh, rides the hype or just rides a bandwagon, but Fear 2 just seemed to come out of nowhere, and, you know, I don't really know much about it. Um, I know Fear 1 was very, very good. Um, a lot of acclaim was given this game, but, you know, Fear 2 seemed to just pop out of nowhere, and... You know, it just just drowned in all the craziness that is Capcom to me. Um, while Killzone, luckily, has always been there for the last so many years, so it has always been under my radar. But as for Fear 2, I mean, it was always there. It was called Project Origins, I, I guess, from the start. And just right before release, a few months before release, they suddenly changed it to Fear 2, and suddenly, you know, they expect people to buy buy this game. I mean, I mean, of course, that's for another, that's another topic, but, you know, basically, if you like FPSs, there's Fear 2, and you also have um, Killzone 2. Um, but I do have to give my nod to Killzone 2 more than Fear 2. So, I mean, hopefully I wasn't too redundant, I wasn't too boring. Um, hopefully I helped you make that decision, and next up, we're going to be talking about a Street Fighter in our game over segment. the second segment of the podcast, which we have the um, game over, where I talk about things that, you know, games in general, that I basically have played or have experienced, or maybe have not experienced, and basically judge whether or not I do want to play these games, or I do want to continue playing them, or just stop playing them altogether because they're that bad. So, you know, this week, I'll be talking about Street Fighter, but I won't be talking about Street Fighter 4. I'll be talking about the new Street Fighter movie, The Legend of Chun Li. So, if any of you guys, um, you know, recognize that theme, that was indeed the Chun Li theme from Street Fighter Four, which is very, very similar to the old school um, Chun Li theme in Street Fighter Two. So, you know, um, this movie was announced. I mean, I guess sometime last year or what. And you know, to be honest, I was very, very much excited to see this movie, and uh, you know. Um, after 
being very, very terribly disappointed in the first movie that came out, you know, with Jean-Claude Van Damme as Guile and Earl Julia as M. Bison. God bless his soul. Um, you know, I was very, very disappointed with that movie and really, really hoped that a redeeming sequel or a redeeming remake of the movie would be done just to, you know, um, sort of, you know, get rid of that bitterness um, in my palate. Um, regarding Street Fighter movies, and because, you know, as you know, I am a very big um, Street Fighter fanboy, um, at least Street Fighter 2, you know, I was pretty much addicted to that game, so, you know, anything Street Fighter that flops sort of affects me personally, sort of, right? Um, so, you know, um, not that I really wanted, I was petitioning them to make a different, uh, a new movie, but, you know, luckily, uh, they did um, eventually decide to release a movie, and unfortunately, it had to be this movie. Um, I haven't seen it, let's make that clear, but, you know, when I first saw the trailer, I first saw screens, um, leaked screens or whatever of the movie, you know, it was just game over from the very start. I mean, I just couldn't believe what they did with this movie. I mean, when it was first announced that a Street Fighter Two movie, uh, a Street Fighter movie was coming out. Um, I was very excited because I really wanted them to recast everybody. I was very, very excited to see what they do. Maybe they would, you know, do something to make it similar to the anime, which was very, very successful in its day. I mean, I wasn't expecting anything as spectacular as the, you know, the ba- the, the fight scenes in in the anime. And, you know, everybody knows how badly that translates to the big screen anyway. So, but then, you know, I wanted them, sort of, I was hoping that they had learned their lesson from the first Street Fighter movie, but, you know, when suddenly, um, you know, when I was reading all those articles that came out, and suddenly Street Fighter the movie suddenly became Street Fighter The Legend of Chun-Li, I suddenly became very, very skeptical, very, very pessimistic about the whole thing. And, you know, basically my world just came crumbling down, all hopes dashed um, for having a new and better Street Fighter movie. And, you know, it was well-founded because after, you know, seeing, you know, casting, I think was very, very questionable. A lot of people kind of agree that Kristen, Kristen, I don't know what her name is exactly, but I'm going with Kristen. Kristen Kirk from um, Smallville fame um, is Chun-Li and, you know, uh, in as much as I do think that she's very, very pretty, um, I think it's a miscast because, you know, I mean, she's not a martial artist for one thing, and, you know, I doubt that she can be trained to become a martial artist in such a short period of time. I mean, that said, I also am very, very skeptical about, you know, all these teeny bopper I don't know, Thingy Bopper, what do you call this? Actresses and actors that suddenly become serious actors in the big screen. That, to me, just doesn't work, period. I mean, um, there's just that disconnect between that, and usually, you know, um, those endeavors, those kinds of efforts by these actors, no offense to them, of course, personally, but, you know, it just doesn't work. And to me, this, it just didn't work here either. Um, the nail in the coffin for this movie, for me, was when they released the trailer. And to be completely, completely honest, when I saw the trailer, it just looked like a freaking B-movie. I mean, trailers are usually much better than 
the movies they represent or they try to market, right? Because, you know, it's basically advertising. It's kind of like seeing a poster of um, McDonald's um, advertising a Big Mac or whatever. The picture will definitely be a hell of a lot better looking than the product itself. I mean, with a few exceptions, I suppose. But, you know, in general, movie trailers work that way as well, that you can judge the quality of the movie from the quality of the trailer that they, they, they put out. And the reason usually why trailers are much better than the movies is because it's a very concentrated effort. It's very, very short. Um, you just basically have to piece together all the great things about the movie, put them in a trailer, and that's going to be, you know, and that's going to sell your movie very, very well. Of course, that isn't the ideal way of making a trailer, because the trailer shouldn't give away too much about the movie. But, you know, um, point is really, a trailer is usually superior to the movie. So when, you know, when I saw this trailer, it looked really, really bad. I basically knew how bad the movie was going to be and decided then and there that I wouldn't watch this movie whether or not I was a huge Street Fighter fan, and I am. Um, a very, very big disappointment, disappointment to me, really. And, you know, it was just bad. I mean, it kind of similarly, I felt the same way towards another trailer, which is, you know, another movie I was really looking forward to, um... Seeing, I mean, the movie of this trailer, I was really looking forward to seeing because um, I was basically a very big fan of the series, which is Dragon Ball Z. Um, <laughs> trailer was really, really bad as well. Same, same exact impression I had um, of the Street Fighter um, Legend of Chun Li trailer, which is basically it looked like a freaking B movie. It looked like the budget was not enough or something, but CG is terrible, the compositing of the characters and the green screening of everything look very, very, very bad and poorly done. It's as if they were just milking the series, basically using the name of Street Fighter and Dragon Ball to carry the movie to the box office, which, is, which basically works, which is what, I guess, happened to Resident Evil and the original Street Fighter movie at that, you know? As bad as that movie was, I was very surprised to find out, I mean, after a little research, that the original Street Fighter movie was actually made, has actually made whoever the production house was and Capcom a hell of a lot of money, a, lot of, a hell of a lot of dough. I mean, even Resident Evil, um, as bad as those movies are, I mean, objectively speaking, okay, um, they made, I'm thinking all those, those uh, movie houses and um, production houses and even Capcom itself a lot of money because why the hell would you make three of the same movie if it wasn't earning a lot, right? So, you know, um, in as much as I despise this movie and really disagree with all the decisions they make about, about this movie and how, you know, stupid and non-canon everything is, although Seafire really doesn't have a story anyway, it's just really, really depressing to see a bad movie made about a video game you really, really love. I mean, there isn't much really to say. Why not just make, you know, a movie that is about a tournament? I don't know. You know, you don't really have to put all that much effort into it. Why not just really make the movie as it was intended to be? Basically, a tournament following just one character, maybe Ryu, because he is, um, I guess, 
for me, the protagonist of Street Fighter, right? You don't, you don't have to make it larger than life. You don't have to make it bigger than it was, it's supposed to be. Just make it look like, you know, I don't know, a, a tournament in Dragon Ball, you know how they do it in the anime, wherein, you know, basically you just follow Goku and all his companions and going through this whole tournament and basically fighting this last boss. He could have done that in Street Fighter and would have been infinitely better than what they released. And, you know, even if that was dumb, at least it's very focused, it's very concentrated, um, uh, single-minded effort to making a uh, really just kick-ass movie. It doesn't have to be deep, it doesn't have to be emotional or anything, you know. It's Street Fighter, for goodness sake. It really is just about this tournament between guys and people fighting each other. It's not really all that complex, so why not just stick to that, right? Um, that said, you know, very disappointing other movies that, or at least other trailers, um, you know, G.I. Joe is another thing, but, you know, I don't really want to go in-depth in that. It's just that point is, for some reason, all these crazy movies are coming up, and a lot of potential is there, but they seem to be screwing it all up, and, you know, I'm still reserving a lot of judgment with a G.I. Joe movie, but... Sad to say, the Street Fighter thing was just so badly put together. And, you know, I think it only lasted a week here. Um, I don't think it's showing anymore. Especially since Watchmen's out, right? And that movie is very, very good. Um, I, I read the, the comic book. Uh, or the graphic novel, I should say. And while I still do think um, the graphic novel is superior, I think, you know, the movie was pretty good. Um, I have some qualms about it. Um, so, you know, since we are talking about a movie this week, I'll just, forgive me if I just, you know, say my opinion about Watchmen, because I don't know if I'm ever going to have <laughs> an opportunity to say this again. Um, you know, they did change up a lot of things in the movie, perhaps not as much as they changed things up in Lord of the Rings, of course, but, you know, they changed some things, certain, certain key things, while those key things are... Well done, I think. I think, you know, it was very logical decision-making um, on the part of, uh, I guess, Zack Snyder and, you know, the rest of the team of Watchmen. However, what, for me, might have been very flawed about the movie is that, you know, if you didn't read the, the graphic novel, you might have a difficult time actually understanding all the nuances of the story and even the ending. I mean, you wouldn't even really understand or appreciate what really happened in the end, if you didn't read a graphic novel. So hopefully, you know, you guys have your own opinions, and we could share, um, you know, toss each other ideas about Watchmen or Street Fighter or whatever. But, you know, basically, going back to the whole Street Fighter thing, it's one of those movies I will avoid forever. I mean, I will boycott it and never, 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 ever, ever watch it, because it's just terrible. It's, it's an insult to the series, you know. How just, you know how Capcom was able to bring a series like Street Fighter 2 or Street Fighter 3 back into fruition in Street Fighter 4 and really just make it so good. I just wanted that sort of excellence, um, that, that dedication to quality to come out in this movie, and yet it didn't. So, you know, it's just insulting, really, and such a shame, right? especially, you know, very, very pretty actors and yet crappy movie. So, you know, um, I would discourage you from seeing it as well, unless you, you're really... I mean, you know, I would watch it if for the sake of laughing, right? And making fun of it, but, you know, I, I don't want to insult 
<laughs> pretty much Street Fighter in that way. So, I don't know, maybe you have your own opinion. So, you know, um, that's basically it for um, our Game Over segment this week. A little different, um, talking about a movie instead of video games. Uh, of a video game, but, you know, um, close enough to a video game, actually. So, that's pretty much it for Game Over, so we'll move on to our last segment, which is Sandbox. So welcome to another installment of Sandbox. This week, I do want to talk about basically, you know, the joy of having a collector's edition video game in your collection. Now, why do I decide to talk about this now of all times? Because basically, I have spotted, luckily, a collector's edition of Resident Evil 5 here in the Philippines, and I do plan to get that. And now, why do you say... Resident Evil 5 has already been released here in Asia. Well, apparently it has been. And, you know, we are definitely more than a week ahead of the U.S., which is still expecting Resident Evil 5 to come out on the 13th. And yet, we've gotten Resident Evil since the 5th, if I'm not mistaken, if not the 6th. So, a week early, I guess. So, you know, um, I was originally planning to just get the standard edition of Resident Evil 5, but, you know, uh, my local video game store informed me that they actually carry the collector's edition of it. You know, I wasn't really expecting it at all since I haven't seen a collector's edition of Street Fighter 4 yet, although I did earlier. Um, you know, it, I mean, Street Fighter 4 has been out for a few week, a few good weeks already here, three weeks at least, and, you know, I only see a collector's edition of it now. But, you know, Resident Evil 5 just came out last Friday, and, you know, it came with the collector's edition of it. And basically what the collector's edition has in it is the game itself, of course. Um, region 3 version, so... Asian version, so I'll, I can play it on my SD TV. It has the making, DVD, and it has the 2 gig USB drive shaped like a chainsaw. And, you know, very good packaging, as usual. Um, so, you know, uh, for me, a lot of people would say, you know, it's just a waste of money to get a collector's edition of any game at all. Um, and I would sort of agree with that, to be honest, because it really is just pretty much junk. I mean, you won't be using that USB, it's just going to be sitting down there, and you'll probably watch the making once or twice, or maybe not even. And, you know, the box is just a freaking box, and you basically pay a third more for the game. Um, by buying the collector's edition. But, you know, for me, of course, it just isn't as simple as that, as usual. I do want to... You know, there is that... There's a lot of novelty in owning a, a collector's edition um, version of a game. I mean, you know, for me, that USB thing is definitely worth it. I mean, there are certainly a lot of other USB devices out there that cost a hell of a lot more. And yet, you know, I mean, they're... I don't know, I forgot what you call them, but there are these sir, these USB things that they sell online that are shaped like Star Wars characters and stuff like that, and they cost $50, you know what I mean? Um, so, you know, I mean, 
a Resident Evil USB drive that's basically limited edition. I mean, that's definitely, I guess, worth that much as well, right? $50. So, you know, you're basically getting it as, uh, as a steal together with the game if you buy the collector's edition of Resident Evil 5. But, you know, that said, that is coming from a fanboy's point of view. But from, you know, a normal person's point of view, is there any worth in getting a collector's edition if you really aren't really attached to the game? Anymore? No, of course not. I don't think so. But, you know, for me, there is just a lot of novelty. And, and, of course, coming from somebody in the industry, I do want to own this making of uh, DVD of Resident Evil 5, especially since I know for a fact that it was made in XSI, this 3D program that I am quite familiar with as well. So, you know, I'm very, very interested in how they made that. And, you know, I'm sort of in a position right now in the company we're in um, you know, I'm an artist, yes, but I'm doing a lot of, you know, sort of production work as well, basically um, keeping tabs on our deadlines and everything. So that, to me, is also quite interesting to me, how a game like Resident Evil 5, a AAA game like Resident Evil 5, actually goes through its paces, how, you know, production actually goes, how people can, you know, how... Insanely, I, I can't even fathom how it's possible for you to basically, um, or, you know, uh, producers to handle hundreds and hundreds of people all dedicated to just making one game. So, you know, I'm very interested in all of that. And I think the one-third, the 1,000 pesos I will pay more for this um, collector's edition version of the game is going to be well worth it, definitely. Um, and, you know, seriously, for... A video game fanatic like me, a thousand bucks more for more content is not really asking for much, and since it's the only real luxury that I spend on, why not, right? Um, I mean, speaking of collector's editions, other collector edition things I've had, and probably the most expensive one is, um, what do you call this? Warcraft. Um, I got that for... Roughly around $100, um, Warcraft 3. It came in this huge, huge box, and it was really, 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 really fun. And it had a really huge um, art book that came with it, had its soundtrack, had a collector's edition manual with it, had all the covers of the box, because you know how Blizzard does their packaging, right? Basically, for each race, for an RTS, there is a certain box with a certain face of a different race. That was all there in the collector's edition of it. And you had a DVD disc which had all the cinematics of um, Warcraft as well. Warcraft 3, I should say. Um, and that's all cool, right? I mean, definitely, definitely worth it um, for certain guys like me. And uh, what other collector's edition games do I have or am considering buying? I believe I have a collector's edition of Lunar. Um, for the PS, um, that's one of the things that perhaps are a little bit obscure, and, you know, that was sort of a mistake in the way that I didn't know anything about Lunar at all. I enjoyed the game, but, you know, I guess the, just the lure of having a collector's edition, and, you know, it was just very well packaged and everything, and just wanted to buy it, right? Um, but, you know, it turns out to be, I guess it was, I guess it's a game that's pretty expensive still. But, you know, um, other games that I have collector's editions of, 
I don't really remember right now. I don't remember having any other Collider's Editions for N64. I don't even think they had Collector's Editions for N64, except for perhaps the golden um, cartridge of Zelda. That I don't have. Um, and others. Uh, why not? But, you know, basically going back, Resident Evil 5 Collector's Edition would be definitely worth my money, and if they do release a Res- uh, Street Fighter 4 Collector's Edition, then I'd be very, very happy as well, because, you know, for me, those games are just so, so worth it. I mean, I would pay twice as much for the standard disc of that game if I wasn't so poor. You know what I mean? I mean, it's just that much worth it for me. I have so much invested in these series, and they've given me so much joy throughout the years that, you know, for me, again, cost and worth are two different things, completely. Um, and they're definitely worth all of that. And, you know, paying a hundred, a, a thousand bucks more for more content on my Resident Evil is a no-brainer for me. Um, even if it is going to be a little tight on my budget or what. It's just so much worth it, you know what I mean? Um, it's just a few cab rides that I, that I should miss, you know, and I basically pay for that extra content I have. And, you know, it's beautiful on the shelf, Collector's Edition. Um, and it's just that. It's all that novelty and all of that. So, you know, um, definitely not for everybody, only for fanatics, only people who are crazy enough to spend that extra dough for arguably content that is missable, that is, uh, you can do without. But, you know, to me, that extra is always worth it. Um, so I guess I'll end it on that note, sorry if this episode was a little less informative, less enthusiastic or what, but, you know, um, I'm glad I did it, I did this episode, regardless of whether or not, you know, uh, I was in the mood or what, I don't know, uh, it was all pretty much last minute, um, everything was put together last minute, so forgive me for if I'm a little bit scatterbrained or what, so... But hopefully you enjoyed, you, you enjoyed, and it was sort of informative, and hopefully by next week I will have a lot more enthusiasm, because hopefully by next week I will have my RE5, if not, I will have my Street Fighter 4, so stay tuned to that episode, because it's going to be a lot of, you know, basically, girly enthusiasm for these games, because I just really, really do love these games, and look for, looking forward to talking about them, so... Thank you guys again for um, listening to Dokkan Gamer. Um, this is Dokkan Gamer signing out for episode 14 of the series, and I'm looking forward to seeing you next week. So, see you guys then. Take care and keep on playing. <laughs>